بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار in our last uh, lesson uh, we looked at the final two years of the prophethood or the short period of time uh, after the various battles that took place and as we mentioned that the pagans of arabia as a whole they were watching to see who would win this battle would it be the prophet sallam and his companions or would it be the quraish of makka because they knew or they had this firm conviction that allah azawajal would never ever give victory nor would he give control of al-haram makkah to a liar and so for that reason large numbers of the polytheists the tribes in arabia were basically just withholding to see what the outcome would be of this raging battle that had been taking place for many many years so as we saw the various battles the aggressions that took place against the messenger of allah sallam uh, the battle of badr the battle of uhud the battle of the trench and many other battles there was an eight year period within which these battles basically uh, took place and at the end of it all the messenger of allah sallam he marched into makkah and he was victorious and he allowed the inhabitants of makkah the polytheists to 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 go unharmed and so when the pagans when they saw all of this and they saw that allah gave victory to his messenger then they began coming uh in large numbers especially in this period after 8 hijra so they began to come in large numbers and this was known as the year of the delegation the ninth year of hijra specifically was known as the year of the delegations and large large numbers of tribes began to come uh most of them accepting islam others arranging agreements of peace and security there were large factions of christians that would come from uh, najran in in the south they would come there would be arguments debates discussions some of them accepted islam others accepted to give the uh, jizya and so all of these things kind of took place really in this time period and the majority of the inhabitants uh, all of the inhabitants of arabia they basically came under uh, they either accepted islam or they came under the rule of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam also in this time we made mention of a number of false prophets which appeared uh, musaylam al kadhab and um, you know they 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 uh, this particular individual and another one as well and um, despite their attempts to deceive and confuse the people uh, they were, they it turned out that they were known to be uh, false so anyway this period takes us now really to the final uh, stages and this brings us to the uh, farewell pilgrimage and as this da'wa <coughs> was spreading and um the messenger sallallahu himself he appointed certain of his companions like muadh bin jabal and others to go and to travel to different areas to convey the message of islam the message of tawhid and as all of this was taking place he decided or it was shown to him in a dream that he should um make hajj and this would be in the year in the 10th year of hijra and allah zawjal he uh, allowed him to perform this in the 10th year of hijra and as he made his preparations or as he was about to make his preparations he announced it in front of the people a large number of people came and this was basically on the 26th of dhul qa'dah in the year as we said in the 
10th uh, year of Hijrah. And so basically he prepared himself, wore his izar and his cloak, and he departed from Medina after Salatul Dhuhr until he reached a place known as Dhul Hulayfa. And he uh, reached there before he prayed Al-Asr, and he uh, prayed there, he rested there after that, and in the morning, the next morning, uh, he said that uh, he was shown to him in a dream during night that basically he should pray in this blessed valley and that he should you know go for umrah uh, perform umrah during the within the hajj itself this was because the the, the polytheists the mushriks they used to detest making umrah in the season of hajj this is known this is amongst the polytheists the pagans of quraysh and so here he was notified by way of a dream that he should perform umrah as part of the hajj in other words, to indicate that this is something which is perfectly permissible. Whereas the pagans, the polytheists, they would consider this to be from the greatest of evils. That when you come to make hajj, how can you fall short and make an umrah? How can you basically make an umrah first? So they would consider this to be something really evil. However, uh, the Messiah he was ordered to uh, have the intention of performing the umrah within or part and parcel of the, the hajj itself. So then at, at this place he made ghusl before Dhuhr and he perfumed himself, his head, his body uh, with misk and then he wore his izar, his lower garment and upper garment. He played Dhuhr, shortened the prayer to two raka'as and then he made the announcement for Al-Hajj and Umrah. And so he said, Allahumma labbika umratan hajjan. So he combined between the two. Then he began to make the talbiyah, the well-known talbiyah. لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَبَّيْكَ لَبَّيْكَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَكَ لَبَّيْكَ إِنَّ الْحَمْدَ وَالنِّعْمَةَ لَكَ وَالْمُلْكَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَكَ And sometimes he would also say لَبَّيْكَ إِلَهَ الْحَقَّ So, uh, when he left the, the place of prayer, he rode upon the uh, she-camel and he repeated the tahleel لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And um, he also took a, the animal sacrifice with him as well took it that, that with him to uh, on the on the way to making hajj so now as he reached mecca itself he stopped at a place beforehand known as tuwa uh, and he prayed fajr at this place then he made ghusl again and he then proceeded until he entered into the masjid the the sacred masjid and this was on the yawmul ahad which is the sunday morning uh, on the fourth day which had passed of Dhul Hijjah. And so he made Tawaf around the Kaaba. <coughs> he made Sa'i between Safa and Marwa. And then he stood in front of all of the uh, pilgrims. And uh, he didn't come back and make a Tawaf again. But he remained in Ihram. And this was a signal that he was going to combine between the Umrah and the Hajj. This is known as the Hajj, the, the, you know, to, to make a combination. And so he kept the Ihram for the Umrah with the Ihram for the Hajj. And the reason was because that he brought with him the sacrificing animal, the animal of sacrifice. And he ordered everyone who, who brought with him an animal of sacrifice, who already brought it with him, that they should remain in Ihram. And as for anyone who did not bring a animal sacrifice, then he ordered them to basically to cut their hair and after the tawaf and sa'i, and to basically come out of ihram. And, uh, uh, and even if this person had actually come with the intention of making uh, hajj or umrah or doing them, doing them both, he basically told them to you know, uh, uh, cut the hair and come out of ihram. And... Uh, so then some of the companions were hesitant, but basically he said, look, if I myself, if I had the choice, I would not have brought an animal sacrifice. And this would have allowed me to basically not combine between the ihram of Umrah and the ihram of Hajj. So when the companions heard this, then they basically uh, fulfilled you know, his, his command and came out of ihram. Okay, so after he'd uh, performed the uh, tawaf, and the Sa'i and some days had passed. It came to the eighth day of the Hijjah. 
then he went towards Mina and to Mina he basically prayed the five prayers in Mina Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha and Fajr of the next morning and he shortened them as well so he made Qasr and then he basically from Mina he then went on in the next morning after the sun had risen until he reached Arafah so this now is the ninth morning so he reached Arafah a tent had been placed for him at a place called Namira and so he stayed there and when the uh, the people had basically gathered around him at the time when the sun had just passed noon and this is where he gave the famous khutbah the khutbah whilst he st- stood at Arafah and so he began by saying ayyuhan nas o people isma'u qawli listen to my speech فَإِنِّي لَا أَدْرِي لَعَلِّي لَا أَلْقَاكُمْ بَعْدَ عَامِ هَذَا بِهَذَا الْمَوْقِفْ أَبَدًا He said, indeed, I do not know if I will meet you again at this, after this year, at this place at all. I do not know. And then he began to give them some admonitions and he laid down some principles in the religion, some great and mighty principles in the religion. So he emphasized the rights of property and uh, blood and honor. So he said, Inna dima'akum wa amwalakum wa a'radakum haramun alikum ka hurmati yawmikum hadha fi shahrikum hadha fi baladikum hadha. He said, Indeed, your blood and your wealth and your honors are unlawful for you. They are, they are inviolable. They cannot be violated. Just like the inviolability or the sacredness of this day, of this day of yours, meaning the day of Arafah. In this month of yours, which is the month of Dhul Hijjah, in this city of yours, which is the city of Mecca. And then he said, Ala kulla shay'in min umuril jahiliyyah, he said, indeed, all of the affairs of Jahiliyyah are thrown under my feet. And from them he mentioned, as for the blood revenge of the days of Jahiliyyah, the blood revenge, meaning that there would be, you know, if someone was killed, he would have to be, ven- uh, vengeance would have to be sought for him. There was this notion of this concept of blood vengeance. And so he said this, uh, the, 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 this blood revenge of Jahiliyyah is under my feet. Meaning that these are things now, are things of the past. They are basically abolished. And he said, indeed, the very first blood revenge that will be, that will be abolished is the blood of Ibn Rabi'ah bin al-Harith. This is, you know, someone who was basically killed. Uh, and then he continued, he said, وَرِبَ الْجَاهِلِيَ مَوْضُوعًا that the usury from the days of Jahiliyyah likewise are thrown. And the first type of riba, or the first instance of riba which is thrown under, is that of Al-Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib. For indeed it is all thrown, or basically abolished all of it. Then he said, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ فِي النِّسَاء Fear Allah with respect to the women. For indeed, فَإِنَّكُمْ أَخَذْتُمُوهُنَّ بِأَمَانَةِ اللَّهِ for indeed you have taken them by the by the trust in the trust of Allah Azawajal. And they have been made lawful to you, meaning the pleasure through them has been been, been made lawful to you by way of the word of Allah. Upon you from your rights is that none of them should allow anyone to enter into your house or to enter and sit in your abode, in your you know, repose that you dislike. فَإِنْ فَعَلْنَ ذَلِكَ فَضْرِبُوهُنَّ ضَرْبًا غَيْرَ مُبْرِحٍ غَيْرَ مُبْرِحٍ That if any of them does them does, does this, then chastise them in a way which is not harmful or, you know, uh, to them. وَلَهُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ رِزْقَهُنَّ وَكِسْوَتَهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And upon them, their right upon you is that you give them food and their clothing 
with whatever is ma'roof, whatever is good, whatever is customary amongst you. And then he said after this, وَقَدْ تَرَقْتُ فِيكُمْ مَا لَن تَدِلُّوا بَعْدِهِ إِنْ اِقْتَسَمْتُمْ بِهِ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَأَنْتُمْ تَسْأَلُونَ عَنِّي فَمَا أَنْتُمْ قَائِلُونَ So he said, I've indeed left amongst you that which if you do, if you hold on to, you will never go astray after it. The book of Allah. And you are asking about me. So what is it that you are saying? Or if you are asked about me, what is it that you will say? And so they then, when they heard all of this, all of these statements and these admonitions and these directions and advices, he said, they said, we bear witness, نَشْهَدُ أَنَّكَ بَلَّغْتْ وَأَدَّيْتْ وَنَصَحْتْ They said, we testify that you have conveyed the message and you have fulfilled your duty, and you have given advice, meaning to us, to, to the nation. And at this point, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he basically raised his finger to the sky, and he was pointing, he was saying, Oh Allah, Allahumma shahad, Allahumma shahad, Allahumma shahad. Oh Allah, bear witness, and he repeated this three times. And in this khutbah, we can see from the affairs which he mentioned, some great and mighty affairs, uh, to do with the the rights, the honors of the people, their wealth, and the, the, the sanctity of their, of their blood. And likewise, the affairs of Jahiliyyah, which have been abolished from you know, murder, revenge killings, and uh, usury, from those things which destroy the lives of people and the properties of people. And likewise, he uh, abolished those things, and then he gave advice with respect to the women, and the rights of the women, and the rights of the men, because these affairs, the man and woman and the, the household, they are what build you know, the society. So the rights between them both, and a stable household, is something that is part and parcel of the well-being of the whole, of the whole society. So he emphasized that as well. And then he uh, uh, advised them with sticking to the book of Allah, Azza wa Jal, which if they do, they will never go astray. And so he mentioned some other things. And after he mentioned those other things, it was then that the verse was revealed to the Messenger of Allah in Surah Al-Ma'idah, from Surah Al-Ma'idah, within which there occurs the statement of Allah Azawajal, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُمْ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا That this day have I perfected your religion for you, have completed my favor upon you, and have become pleased with Islam for you as a religion. And so this day was really a day of happiness, a day of gratefulness, a great of uh, you know, a favor and a bounty upon the Muslimin, in that this deen was completed uh, by way of you know, this revelation. So after this, Bilal radiallahu anhu gave the adhan after this small khutbah and the messenger of Allah sallam he stood and prayed uh, dhuhr led the people in dhuhr and then they prayed uh, asr as well and they combined them together without any break in, in between and then he came to uh, you know another place and he basically turned towards the uh, qibla and he stood, remained in that place until the sun began to descend and, and, and uh, disappear. And after the yellowness of the sky kind of disappeared a little bit, he then made his way towards Muzdalifah. Right? So in other words, he spent the rest of the time turning towards the, the Qibla and making dua to Allah Azza wa Jal. Until the sun you know, uh, began to set, the sky turned yellow. And it was then that he then made his way to Al-Muzdalifa. So at Al-Muzdalifa, he basically prayed Al-Maghrib and Isha with a single adhan, one adhan, and with two iqamas. So he prayed the two prayers like that. And um, without anything in between, uh, any, any tasbih or anything in between, so he combined the prayers together. And then he basically rested, slept up until the time of Fajr. Then he prayed Fajr early. At, at the earliest time. And then he made his way to 
the he directed his way towards al-mash'ar al-haram facing the, the qibla and he made dua he made takbir he made tahleel he declared the oneness of allah azawajal and after that he proceeded on his way towards back towards mina now uh, this was before the sun rose he reached mina and he came to the uh, biggest uh, jamra and he stoned it with seven pebbles every time he said takbir allahu akbar and he kept say, he kept saying the talbiya meanwhile and every time he was throwing the uh, the, the the pebble and uh, every time he threw it he cut off the talbiya and then he continued so this is how he proceeded and at one point he stood and he informed the muslims and he said to them khudu anni manasikakum fala'alli uh, take from me your rituals of Hajj, for perhaps I will not come after this year of mine. And so, then he came back to Mina. So after stoning this big uh, pillar, he came back to Mina, and he then sacrificed um, sixty-three camels which he had brought, and then he ordered Ali to sacrifice the remaining thirty-seven because there were hundred altogether. And uh, then he ordered that the food be, uh, you know, the, the, the meat be divided, cut and cooked. And so they cooked it and it was all shared and they ate from it. And um, after this, he then called the, 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 the hairdresser or the hair cutter. And uh, his hair was cut from the right side. Then he divided the hair out and gave it out to different people. And then on the other side, uh, it was cut off and he gave it to Abu, the companion Abu Talha. Then he put on a garment he uh, perfumed himself and then he rode until he came to the uh, Kaaba, to the Bayt. And then he made tawaf, the tawaf of Al-Ifada, the farewell tawaf that is made at the, at the end. So he made the tawaf, he did not make sa'i between Safa and Marwa, uh, but he just made the tawaf Al-Ifada. Then he prayed Dhuhr and then he came to Banu Al-Muttalib. And they were the people who used to give the water of Zamzam to, for the people to drink. And so he told them, draw out the water of Zamzam for me, O Abdul, uh, Bani Abdul Muttalib. For had it not been that the people had overwhelmed you, then I would have, you know, I, I would have come and I would have, I would have um, drawn out the water with you. So they brought out some water and they gave it to him, he drank from it. And then he remained, went back to Mina for the remaining three days, the days of Tashriq, the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th of Dhul Hijjah. Each day he would go to the Jamarat, all three Jamarat this time, and stone them as he did before. And uh, he would do this after the sun had reached the Zawal, meaning the noon time. So we would begin with a small one seven stones, the second one, seven stones, the third one, seven stones, all in a similar fashion. Then basically he, on, 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 on the, uh, he would actually give uh, the khutbah, he gave a khutbah, in fact, on the, uh, the day of Tashriq, which is the 12th, the middle day. So you have the 11th, 12th and 13th. So on the middle day, he gave another khutbah. In this khutbah, he basically emphasized the same things again. Uh, he mentioned the same things again. And he added some other things on top of that as well. And so from some of the things he added, in addition to those same things that he mentioned, is that he said, Indeed, the time has reverted back to how it was, to its form, on the day that Allah created the heavens and the earth. The year is 12 months. Within it are four months which are sacred, three which are in succession, which are Dhul Qa'da, Dhul Hijjah, and Al Muharram. And as for the one which is separate, it is Rajab, Rajab, the one which is between uh, uh, between Jumada and Sha'ban. And then he continued. He mentioned same thing again about the blood. فَإِنَّ الدِّمَاءَكُمْ وَأَمْوَالَكُمْ وَأَعْرَاضَكُمْ وَلِكُمْ حَرَامٌ Again, he emphasized the issue of blood, property, and honor, that these are inviolable for a Muslim. And then he also said, 
narration, Kuffara. You will soon meet your Lord, and He will ask you about your actions. So indeed, do not return after me as those who become misguided, or as those who become Kuffara, as you know, uh, the word is disbelievers, but here it means those who are you know, disobedient and sinful. By striking the necks of each other. Meaning by fighting and killing each other. And then, then again, he said, Have I not conveyed? And they said yes. And then he called Allah to witness. And then he said, Let the one who is present inform the one who is absent. For indeed, the one who is conveyed to, will be of a better understanding than the one who is conveying. And so this uh, was the sermon that he, he gave as well. And during this time was when another surah was revealed. And this was Surah An-Nasr. Surah An-Nasr. Uh, so in this uh, surah, Allah Azza wa Jal gave glad tidings. It was basically like a, a tidings to the messenger of Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, speaking about the uh, spread of the of Islam and the people entering into Islam in huge numbers. And so, if you reflect carefully about all of these things that we've mentioned from the beginning to the end, you can see that there are certain signs that an observer can see that it is as if the messenger's mission is coming to an end. And the people would actually perceive and feel that this was taking place by way of all of these things that you've seen. The fact that the ayah was revealed about the completion of Islam, perfection of Islam. The fact that the messenger called uh, the people to witness that has he not conveyed the message and fulfilled the trust. And the fact that this uh, surah, or surah al-Nasr, was revealed about how Allah gave al-Fatih the victory and al-Nasr, the, the aid to the messenger of Allah, and the people entered into the religion in hordes, and how he was ordered, you know, to uh, make, you know, istighfar and so on and so forth. All of these are basically signs that one can see and perceive that the messenger of Allah sallam, that he has come at the end of his mission. So now on the third day of Tashriq, which is the 13th, um, he after he went and stoned the Jamarat, uh, he came back to a place called Abdah Al-Abdah, and he prayed there, Dhuhr, Asar, Maghrib, and Isha. And then he sent Aisha, Ummul Mu'mineen, radiallahu anha, along with her brother, Abdurrahman, uh, to go and make the, make the Umrah, because she had been delayed from the uh, Umrah. And so she went to make the Umrah, and after they returned back, um, they basically... Uh, decided that the permission was given to basically leave and so uh, they went again to make the tawaf of al-wida they paid salat al-fajr and then they went back facing towards uh, medina so they left mecca and when he came close to medina and he saw the uh, you know the signpost of of medina and the major that you can see in the distance he began to say, La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lah, lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir, ayibuna ta'ibun, abiduna sajidun, lirabbina hamidun, sadaqallahu wa'dah, wa nasara abdah, wa hazamal ahzaba wa'dah. He basically said, he made a tahleel, there is none which has a right to be worshipped but Allah, alone without any partners, to him belongs the mulk, the dominion. And to him belongs all praise, and he is powerful over all things. We return back as, as those who are repentant, penitent. We as worshippers, as those who prostrate, as those who praise their Lord. Allah has been truthful to his promise, and he has aided his servant, and he has defeated all of the factions, the Ahzab. So, uh, so he came back to Medina, and as he came back to Medina, he remained uh, in Medina, praising his Lord, making tasbih as he had been commanded in Surat An-Nasr. And so he basically, uh, you know, uh, 
and then he began to see the people entering into Islam in, in huge numbers and he saw that his da'wah had been successful over the past 23 years he reflected upon all of these things now when he came back to Medina there were a number of delegations that he was to uh, perform and one of those delegations or one of those delegations was uh, a delegation that was kind of directed towards the Byzantine Empire why? these were the Christians and this was because uh, they basically were denying the Muslims certain basic you know basic rights and they even killed uh, uh, you know a, a person by the name of Farwa bin Amr al-Judhami and this was basically an evidence that they were being a bit arrogant and being heavy-handed towards the uh, Muslims so for that reason this was an expedition that the messenger of Allah that he wanted to uh, fulfill and carry out why because to make it clear that the Muslims are not in fear and vulnerable anymore and that any heavy-handedness any injustice will be basically dealt with so he uh, gave the command to Osama bin Zaid radiallahu anhu who was uh, very young at the time and so he gave him the orders to basically have the horses of the Muslims to be prepared and for them to go and to border uh, a region near Palestine or certain cities near Palestine uh, Ad-Darum, Al-Balqa and these were basically on the border with Palestine in the north of you know, uh, Arabia and so he ordered him to go and take the, uh, you know, the, the horses and to basically let the Byzantines know, uh, to basically let them know that basically we will not allow you to, to do this. Now, as Osama bin Zayd was uh, in preparation, he took 700 fighters with him and he took uh, horses and uh, as he mobilized his army, he basically reached three miles outside of Medina and then he heard the news of the illness of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The final illness And so he basically decided to just withhold and not leave uh, Until the outcome of this illness became clear And it so happened that as, as, as we come to the next you know, section that we know that the Messenger of Allah He passed away in this period And so therefore Osama bin Zaid was not able to carry out and fulfill this expedition rather it was Abu Bakr who then oversaw that expedition and that was the first of the expeditions of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu as the Khalifa after the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa so this brings us now to the final uh, stages and the final uh, period and we can see now that uh, the whereas before the signs were <coughs> a person could see basic signs about the farewell pilgrimage and you know the various the advices that were given and the various of the signs that we saw that one could tell that the you know the the, the 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 mission of the messenger was coming to an end in this period they become even more apparent now there were even more apparent signs so after the messenger of Allah he conveyed his message fulfilled his trust Give advice to the Ummah with that advice that we saw on the day of Arafah and with that khutbah and in general as well. Um, one could start seeing now in his actions and in his speech that his farewell from the world was, was coming closer and closer. In the Ramadan of the 10th year, he made i'tiqaf for 20 days and Jibreel Islam came to him with the Quran twice and for that reason he said to his daughter Fatima when Jibreel came twice he said uh, or in fact uh, he said he said to Fatima La ara illa iqtirab, illa ajli. I do not see this the fact that Jibreel came twice except that my time my uh, duration has come and likewise, he gave farewell to Mu'adh bin Jabal. Mu'adh bin Jabal was sent to Yemen with that famous advice. Indeed, you are going to a people from the people of the book. Let the first thing you call them to be, ay, ay, Allah ta'ala, that they single out Allah and then the rest of the hadith. 
he sent Mu'adh, and he made it clear to Mu'adh, he said, Ya Mu'adh, innaka asa alla tilqani ba'da ami hada. Indeed, O Mu'adh, perhaps you will not meet me after this year of ours, this year of mine. And perhaps you will pass by my masjid, and this is my wahada qabri. And this is my burial place. And so when Mu'adh, he heard this, he knew, because he was being sent to Yemen, that this would be the last time he's going to see the Messenger of Allah And so he cried a lot, and you know he was very, he was very unhappy and grieved at having to separate from the Messenger of Allah knowing that he will not see him after that. And likewise, so the, all, all these are signs that we can see that the time of the Messenger of Allah is coming close. Likewise, in the farewell pil- pilgrimage, <coughs> if you recall. He said, Perhaps I will not meet you after this year of mine. And perhaps I will not hajj, make hajj after this year of mine. And likewise, the verse that was revealed that we mentioned, And likewise, Surah Al-Nasr that we mentioned as well. All of these things together, there were clear signs that his preoccupation with the world in terms of his message, was basically coming to an end, and that he was showing signs of giving, you know, of giving that farewell to the uh, to the world and its and its people. Now, in the beginning of the month of Safar, he went out to Uhud, and he prayed for the Shuhada, and it was as if he was doing something that someone was giving like a farewell to the living and to the dead. And then he came to the minbar, he basically gave another sermon, and he basically said, I'm witness over you. Indeed, I can see, by Allah, I can see my hold right now, my hold, the drinking pool. And indeed, I have been given the keys of the treasures of the earth. And indeed, by Allah, I do not fear upon you that you fall into shirk after me. But I fear that you start competing in the world. You start competing with each other with respect to the world. So he gave them another piece of uh, advice in relation to the trials and tribulations of the world. That he does not fear so much that the people will fall into shirk. But he fears that they will compete with, with each other with respect to the affairs of the world. Now... Uh, during the end of the month of Safar, he began to also visit Al-Baqi' and he would spend the, in the middle of the night and he would basically make uh, ask for Allah to forgive them and he would say, Inna bikum lahiqun. Indeed, we will soon meet with you. So we can see from all of this together, we can see clear signs now from the, the speech and from the actions of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam that he knew that his time was was coming close and that his message had been fulfilled allah had granted him victory and you know it was time for him to uh, resign himself and and you know uh, for this for this in in this time period now it was here that the illness the fatal illness began to appear now this illness was something that actually in its origins, it began many, many years earlier. Because this illness came from some meat that he had been given during or at the time of the battle of Khaybar, from the Yahud of Khaybar, from a woman from the Yahud. And that poison had remained in his body since that time. And, you know, its manifestations or its fatal manifestations began to appear in this final period. And this illness was a very, very severe illness. It was a very severe, difficult illness. And these, this period in the life of the Messenger of Allah was, you know, a, a very difficult period. And again, it shows how the prophets are tried and tested by Allah and how they are the greatest uh, in, in that respect. So, on the... Uh, towards the end of the uh, month of Safar, he prayed a janazah 
in Al-Baqi' and when he returned, he started complaining of a headache. He began to complain of a headache. And this was basically the signal of, 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 of the final illness. And the effect of this illness eventually increased to such a degree that sometimes he would not remember, he would visit the, the houses of his wives and he would not remember where is he supposed to go on the following day, like which house is he supposed to go on the following day. And he would ask them, Aina ana ghadan, where am I tomorrow? And um, he would want to go to the house of Aisha and so the wives basically would uh, allow him to go to wherever, wherever he wanted even if it was their turn for that particular day. So he was taken walking between two men, uh, two of his companions, Al-Fadl bin Abbas and Ali bin Abi Talib because he was not able to walk. So the, he had to walk uh, with them carrying, uh, basically carrying him on the other side. And he, you know, he had to dr- his feet were even dragging by the earth, onto, on, on the earth. And this was the sign of the severity of the illness that basically affected his body. So he then came uh, to Aisha radiallahu anha and his pain increased a great deal. And he asked for seven water skins of water that should be poured on him. So that basically he can regain his composure, you know, and, and become fresh and so that he can go out and he can speak to the people. Now reflect about this because there was some advice, crucial advice, he had to give to his nation. And that's why he requested that he, this water be brought and he made to, to become fresh. So they basically sat the messenger of Allah and uh, they brought the uh, water skins and they poured them all over the messenger of Allah And so he became a little fresh. Then he came out to the people and he prayed. Then he gave them a khutbah. And within this khutbah he said, إِنَّ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ كَانُوا يَتَّخِذُونَ قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ وَصَالِحِيهِمْ مَسَاجِدِ أَلَا فَلَا تَتَّخِذُوا الْقُبُورَ مَسَاجِدِ إِنِّي أَنْهَاكُمْ عَنْ ذَلِكِ He said, indeed those before you used to take the graves of their prophets and righteous people as masajid, as places of worship. Do not take the graves as places of worship. Do not pray by the graves. Indeed, I prohibit you from that. لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَىٰ اِتَّخَذُوا قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ مَسَاجِدْ May Allah's curse be upon those people. He mentioned the Yehud and Nasara. For indeed they have taken the graves of their prophets as masajid. Do not take my grave. لَا تَتَّخِذُوا قَبْرِي وَثَنًا يُعْبَدْ Do not take my grave as an idol which is worshipped. And after this, he then presented himself basically that if I, you know, as, as uh, for Qasas, that if there's any wrongs, or if there's any rights which are outstanding, you are free to, uh, to uh, you know, take them. If there's anything outstand, outstanding from me. And then he began to advise the people with respect to the Ansar, <coughs> that the Ansar should be treated well. Why? Because they were those who helped and aided Islam when the people messenger migrated from Medina to from Mecca to Medina. So he advised that the Ansar be treated well. In another narration of the hadith, uh, he mentioned that loving the Ansar is a sign of faith. And hating the Ansar is a sign of hypocrisy. <coughs> and then he began to say that indeed, a servant whom Allah has given a choice between giving him the glitter of the world, whatever he wills, and between what is with Allah. And so he chose what is with Allah. Now the companions weren't aware of what it is that the messenger was referring to here. Who is he referring to? And then Abu Bakr, عنه, he began to cry and he began to say, may our fathers and our mothers be held in ransom for you. And the people began to say, what, what is... Look at this Shaykh, what is this man saying? He's informing the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The messenger is informing about a slave 
whom Allah gave a choice between this world and the hereafter, but he chose the hereafter. And he is saying, may our, may our fathers and mothers be ransomed for you. They didn't actually get what Abu Bakr was, was basically intending by this, because the Messenger was referring to himself. He was referring to himself. And Abu Bakr understood this. So he made that remark, may our parents, may our mothers, our fathers be ransomed for you. That you are saying this. That you, you know, so this was a sign or an evidence that Abu Bakr was the most understanding amongst the companions because he was able to grasp what was it that the messenger was, was saying and intending in his speech. And it was a sign, and the companions then recognized this, that this is a sign that Abu Bakr uh, was the A'lam, the, the A'lamuna, the most knowledgeable uh, amongst them. Then the messenger of Allah, he praised Abu Bakr. And now these are signs that we can see that Abu Bakr would be the successor. These are indications in the speech and the, the uh, actions of the Messenger of Allah that Abu Bakr would be the, the, the next leader. He basically uh, ordered that all the doors that enter from the houses into the masjid, that all of them should be blocked off except the door of Abu Bakr. That privilege was given only to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. Another sign of his of his uh, natural uh, leadership to follow. Now, so as the days passed, uh, his illness would increase, and on some occasions, on one occasion, he said, "Look, bring me a book that I can dictate something which, if you hold on to, you will never go astray ever after that." And um, so when he saw that the uh, companions, that Umar would say something, that oh he's become too ill, and you already have the Quran, sufficient for you is the Quran, and then, and then others said, no, this let's bring, some discussion appeared, and then the Messenger he said, when he saw the differing amongst them, he said, Umu anni, stand, you know, depart from me. And he also advised with a number of other things, to expel certain groups of people from the Jazeera, the Yahud and the Nasara, and explain that there should only be one deen in the Jazeera, only one deen, there should not be deenan in the Jazeera. He emphasized upon them the affair of the prayer, as-salah, to, be, to, be, uh, uh, to, to protect their salah. And likewise, what their right hands possess, to be kind to them, and to be gentle with them, and to fulfill their rights. And he would advise as well, تَرَقْتُ فِيكُمْ amrain, لَن تَدِلُّوا مَا تَمَسَّقْتُمْ بِهِمَا that I, will, I have left amongst you two things. You will never go astray if you hold fast to them, the book of Allah and my sunnah. So all of these things we see. Uh, now we start seeing the issue of uh, uh, istikhlaf. Abu Bakr being given the uh, you know, uh, indications of taking leadership. But there was something more explicit than all of this. And this took place where on one occasion, his severe illness, he tried to lead the people in prayer. And this was on the day of Thursday, Yomul Khamis. And the time for Aisha came, he made ghusl, and he came, but he became unconscious. And then he gained consciousness again. Then he washed himself a second time. Then he came to the people to lead them, and he became unconscious again. And then he regained his consciousness, he made ghusl, he washed himself again a third time. And then when he went, a third time he became unconscious again. And so he then sent with a message that Abu Bakr should lead the people. So Abu Bakr, he led the people during those days. It was over a number of days. And in total, Abu Bakr led the people in 17 prayers. 17 prayers, which means that this continued for three, three and a few days. or Three days and, and a portion of a day. Right, so five prayers, that's 15, that's three days, and two, two salat on the next day. So for three days, he led the, the Muslims in the prayer. And after that, the Messenger of Allah, he found that things got a bit lighter for him. And he came out with two men helping him, whilst Abu Bakr was leading the prayer. And he sat down next to him, 
and Abu Bakr was leading the prayer and uh, or in fact he was sat down and the Messenger he led the prayer whilst he was sat down and Abu Bakr was uh, then in turn following Abu Abu Bakr he was making them to hear the takbir of the messenger of Allah he was praying Abu Bakr was following and he was making the takbir to allow the people to uh, listen to follow Okay, so now this is one incident which clearly shows that Abu Bakr would be the uh, leader. And then also, the messenger of Rasulullah, he began to start doing certain things, giving charity. He freed his uh, servant. He gave whatever he had, the dinars he had in charity. He had seven dinars, he gave them in charity. He gave the Muslims, he donated to them his weapons. And during the night time, he sent for Aisha, Radiallahu anha, and uh, he basically, um, uh, you know, he had some, there was some foodstuffs or something of that nature, and asked her to uh, give that. And likewise, he had a shield that was mortgaged uh, that he'd taken from a uh, Jewish uh, man for the, for the price of 30 sa' of barley or wheat. So all of these outstanding things, these are like financial affairs or affairs to do with property and wealth that he is disposing of and making sure that these things are not left, you know, uh, uh, or any commitments or, or rights or obligations were not left un, 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 unattended or unaddressed. So all of these signs we can see now as we come really to the final uh, stages or the final uh, period. And this brings us to the final day of his life, and this is Yomul Ithnain, the second day of the week, and this was uh, the day in which it was the turn of Aisha, radiallahu anha. So Abu Bakr, he led the people in prayer in Fajr, and the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was in the, uh, the, 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 you know, the apartment of Aisha, radiallahu anha, and he would look towards the people, he would smile, sometimes he would laugh, and. Uh, Abu Bakr would take this as a sign to mean that he was going to get up and lead the people in prayer. Then he would stand up and run out and go and tell the people he was rejoicing. And But the messenger of Allah, he would basically indicate with his hand that tell them to complete, tell him to complete the prayer. That he wasn't going to come out, tell Abu Bakr to complete the prayer. So, uh, in this uh, day, or in this time period, the Messenger of Allah he called for his daughter Fatima, and he informed her of something secretly, he whispered something to her secretly, and she began to cry. And then he whispered something to her again secretly, and then she began to laugh. And the others who witnessed this, obviously they were curious as to what happened, but she kept this to herself, she never ever revealed this, up until after the messenger of Allah he passed away. And then she said, she informed the people that the first time he said something to me, it was that he was going to die as a result of this illness he was in. This illness. And so she began to cry. His daughter began to cry. And then he said to her the second time, secretly when he whispered into her ear, that indeed he gave her glad tidings that she would be the first of his family that would follow him. And that she would be the, chief, the, 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 the leader, the Sayyidah, the leader of the women of paradise. And so she then began to laugh at that. And Fatima radiallahu anha, she saw the messenger of Allah, he was in extreme pain. And he would say that there will be no pain for your father after this day. He called Al-Hasan, Al-Hussein to come and he kissed, would kiss them both. He called his, his wives and he gave them admonition. He gave them admonition and reminded them. And he would basically come in and out of consciousness because of the extreme uh, pain. And because the poison was, you know, it, 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 it had come and was given this extremely difficult uh, pain and hard time. And he could feel and perceive it's his pain. And so he would cover his face with his shirt. And as he felt it hard to breathe, he would remove it again. 
And so in this time, he would make remarks which would show that in the midst of all of this pain, what is it that's going through his mind? He would say, لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى اِتَّخَذُوا قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ مَسَاجِدِ He would keep mentioning, may Allah's curse be upon certain groups of people. Why? Because they took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. Meaning, they would worship Allah by the graves of their prophets. This was what he was cursing. And he feared that this is something, he warned his ummah against this. And he would say, لا يبقين دينان بأرض العرب that no two deen should remain in the, lands, in the land of the Arab. And all of these would be the final words that would be coming from him, which show that the, the things that he would be concerned with. He would say, As-salah, as-salah, The prayer, the prayer, focus on the prayer, the prayer. And likewise, what your right hands possess, meaning the, the rights of the slaves and the uh, you know, and, and feeding them and clothing them and good behavior with them and so on and so forth and freeing them and so on and so forth. And so in this situation where we see that this intense illness is causing severe pain and him becoming unconscious and he's making all of these remarks as final pieces of advice to his nation. And then during this time the final stage appeared what we call al-ihtidar the period in which the, the soul is taken. And so he arrested himself uh, on Aisha radiallahu anha. And uh, her brother Abdurrahman came with a siwak, a fresh siwak. And the messenger of Allah, he began to look at the siwak. And so Aisha understood that he wants the siwak. So uh, she asked him and he indicated yes with his by motioning and that he wanted it. So she took it and... Uh, he made, you know, uh, use the siwak in the best way possible. And uh, he would put his water likewise into the water and put it on his face. And he would say, La ilaha illallah, inna lil mawti sakarat. La ilaha illallah, indeed, death has its uh, sakarat, meaning that there are uh, states you go through during the, 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 the stage of death. Which, which he calls sakarat, where you lose consciousness and things like that. Then he began to raise his hands or his finger, and his eyes would face up to the ceiling, and his lips would move, and Aisha went close to listen to what it is he, was, he would be saying. And he would say, مَعَلَّذِينَ أَنَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءَ وَالصَّالِحِينَ Allahumma gfirli warhamni wa alhikni bil rafiq al-a'la Allahumma rafiq al-a'la He would say with those whom Allah has favored from the prophets and the truthful and the martyrs and the righteous O oh Allah forgive me have mercy upon me and me, make me to uh, put me with the highest company O oh Allah with the highest company and he repeated this Final speech, Allahumma rafiq al-a'la, a number of times, three times, and it was at this stage that his soul passed and his hand dropped and he entered into the highest company. And this, this was on the twelfth day, the twelfth day of Rabi'ul Awwal of the eleventh year of Hijrah at the, at the time when uh, Duha, when the you know, in, in when the, the sun comes up and it starts becoming very, very strong and powerful in its heat, and it was in that exact period, and so uh, uh, he passed away, and uh, his life had reached 63 years, and at this stage, the Sahaba, as you can imagine, uh, when the news spread amongst the Sahaba, the whole world had become bleak and darkened. And they, they were hardly able to uh, regain their, you know, their, their, their senses. And there was no day that was more uh, better. Like they were remembering the days that they enjoyed. And from those days they enjoyed was the day that the Messenger of Allah entered into Medina. That was the brightest, most beautiful day. 
And then this day was the day when he passed away, was the bleakest and the darkest and the most aqbah, you know, the, you know the, the, the day that was the most, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, the repugnant day to them. And, you know, there was crying that was, the, that was passing around all between the companions which could be heard. In this state, Umar bin al-Khattab, he stood up, radiyallahu anhu, in the masjid. And he said, he became angry. He said, indeed, the messenger of Allah has not died. He will not die until Allah has made the munafiqeen to perish. Till he has destroyed all of the munafiqeen. And he began to warn that anyone who continues to say that he has died, he will be threatened to kill them. And the sahaba around him in the masjid were... Confused and dazed by all of this. And then Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu, he just left his, uh, he, he came, he just left his house, and he saw all of this commotion. And uh, because he'd already been to the Messenger of Allah in the morning, he'd seen him in his illness. And when he actually passed away, uh, Abu Bakr came on his riding camel, he entered into the masjid. And he didn't speak to anybody. And then he went straight to Aisha. And he went to the messenger of Allah And he saw that he uncovered his face. He kissed him and then he cried. And then he said, Bi abi antwa ummi. By, by my father and my mother. Allah would not bring two deaths upon you. As for the first death that was written upon you, then indeed you have experienced this. Then he came out and he said, O Umar, sit down. O Umar, sit down. Umar refused to sit down. So Abu Bakr left him and he went straight to the minbar. And he stood on the minbar and the people then flocked around Abu Bakr and they left Umar. And he turned towards them or he turned to Umar. Oh sorry, they turned to Abu Bakr and he then said, uh, Amma ba'd and he made those famous statements, مَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ يَعْبُدْ مُحَمَّدًا فَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا قَدْ مَاتْ وَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَيٌّ لَا يَمُوتُ قال الله تعالى So he said first, whoever amongst you used to worship Muhammad, then indeed Muhammad has died. And whoever amongst you worshipped Allah, then indeed Allah is ever living, He does not die. Then He mentioned an ayah in the Quran. وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ أَفَإِن مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلًا قَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ وَمَنْ يَنْقَلِبْ عَلَىٰ أَقِبَيْهِ فَلَنْ يَضُرَّ اللَّهَ شَيْئًا وَسَيَجْزِ اللَّهُ الشَّاكِرِينَ Muhammad is not but a messenger. Many messengers have passed before him. If he was to die or was killed, would you flee on your heels? And whoever flees on his heels, then he will not harm Allah in anything. And indeed Allah shall reward and recompense those who are grateful to him. Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, he said, well, by Allah, it is as if all of the people never knew that Allah had even revealed such a verse. That as if this verse had not been revealed previously until Abu Bakr had recited. Why? Because before they didn't understand this verse when Abu Bakr read it in this, in this situation. They immediately realized what the verse was actually saying or what it meant. But they hadn't realized this before. And it was as if as Ibn Abbas said, or Umar in fact said, uh, Ibn Abbas said in fact that it's as if the people did not know that Allah had even revealed this verse before this time and um, everyone began to recite and repeat the same verse after Abu Bakr then Umar bin al-Khattab he then when he heard all of this he said that no sooner had I heard Abu Bakr recite this ayah then I knew that it was the truth and uh, then I knew that indeed he, the messenger of Allah, had indeed passed away. So this brings us to the end of uh, the final uh, 
stages of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and this brings us naturally to the uh, issue of the Khilafah of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and the issue of the the burial and the various other preparations that needed to be made. And inshallah ta'ala we will conclude uh, with that in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala. In fact we will conclude our series in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala. So with that we'll conclude our lesson there today. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.